1: Except City. I am your host, Joe Ucello. Sir Bob, Mike Orr. My co host, Rob Rojas. My trusted co host, Ben the Machine. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 358 of Low Limit Football on this 29th of May, 2022. I'm your host, Joe Ucello, and tonight, Real Madrid are the champions of Europe as Los Blancos earned their 14th title. In the competition, defeating Liverpool 1-0 in Paris. We're going to look a lot deeper into the game, the competition in general, and have our reactions with our very special guest, Mr. Nima Tavale from Sempreinter.com and the Italian Football Podcast. But first, let me get my co-host in here, Mr. Roberto Rojas. What's going on, my man?
0: I'm good, Joe. I'm good. Obviously, coming off a, a really interesting Champions League final, obviously, a lot to talk about what's been happening pre-game, what happened during the match, and I think of the legacy for some of these teams as well, and a lot of these managers too, because I think there's a lot of storylines to discuss, and what better way to do it with the special guest that we have.
1: Absolutely, so let's get him in here right now from SemperInter.com and the Italian Football Podcast, our great, great friend Nima Tavale joining us. Nima, buongiorno, how are you, man?
2: I'm good. I'm good. It's good to be with you. The it's the summer's here finally, and the sun is shining. So I'm not gonna. I don't have anything to complain about. So I'm happy.
1: Yeah. Well, and we're and the summer's here, meaning that the the transfer window is gonna get opened up in a little bit. And but we're gonna we're not gonna talk about that today. Let's let's enjoy what we saw yesterday, and that was the one 0 victory for Real Madrid over Liverpool in the Champions League. Their 14th title. Uh, they lead all all clubs in this competition. Uh, and and actually remarked in the uh, in the broadcast yesterday, the only team that stands between Liverpool and Real Madrid as the most winning sides in this competition is AC Milan, um, who we know won the Scudetto and everything, which we haven't been on online since then. Um, you, um, I'm going to go to you first because I'd like your reaction to the match. Um, I, I'll I'll add my thoughts at the end, but I would like to know what you thought of the match overall, all aspects of it.
2: No, the more the game went on, it just felt like. Um... Real Madrid and Ancelotti were in control of the situation. Um, it just felt like um, that Liverpool created, obviously, uh, chances. Uh, but they but Courtois just had that kind of zest about him of in- invincibility, that this was his night. And, and that, that, that kind of rubbed off on all of Real Madrid. Um, so it felt like they could have played that game for another two hours and they still wouldn't have scored because because he was so so good i mean that that shot in the first half Man is shot when he tips it into the into the post i think it's so symptomatic of that um but it was i mean it was a good game in terms of um it was a high intensity game i thought it was rather entertaining um and 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 liverpool did have their chances they played well but but real madrid just this season have had this kind of again this this feeling where i mean look just look at how they've gone through It can't just be luck what happened is PSG city chelsea um and, and and then you know and then all the way to the final it just felt like this was their year um, and ancelotti of course was was the was the ta- tactical mastermind at the heart of that
1: you know i, I i'm glad you brought up the uh, the mane shot and the, the courtois save because for, I would say, at least two, two and a half months, I've been saying all along that this Real Madrid side have just felt like a team of destiny. The way they came back against Manchester City, the way they disposed of PSG, who was one of the big favorites to win this competition, it just seemed like over and over and over again that they were destined to win this. And the Courtois shot where, I'm sorry, the, the Mane shot where uh, Courtois parries it right off the post was was almost like the 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 pinnacle of that thought process where this is just destiny. This is just Real Madrid in their DNA knows how to win this match. They know how to win this competition. And and there is the proof. There's exhibit A, Your Honor, as to why they know how to do it. Just to to be able to parry that off the post was um I think that was a big turning point. Because right up to that point, real I'm sorry, Liverpool were really high press, high press. Typical Jurgen Klopp style of play. Um it created an an exciting first opening twenty, twenty five minutes of the match where Real Madrid really couldn't work the ball out to Vinicius or work it out to Benzema and and they needed a big moment like that and that big moment came right away. Now Roberto, I w- I want your thoughts on the match as well because um you know you and I have talked about this Real Madrid side over and over again in this Champions League competition.
0: This was this was
1: typical Real Madrid, right?
0: It was, and I think what we saw throughout this entire competition, like you said, the fact that they were able to get these results, defeating the star-studded PSG, knocking out the defending champions in Chelsea, and, and beating Man City in the way that they did, you think that, yeah, this was a team of destiny. And I think when you have these quality players who, first of all, are winners, I mean, I mean, obviously, it's not exactly the same team that won those Champions Leagues under Zidane in, in 2016 to 2018, but you still have a lot of winners in there, like Luka Modric, Casemiro, Cruz, Benzema. So on and so forth. You mix it in with those young players like a Vinicius Junior, like a a Camavinga who came in as a sub, but still, you know, a Rodrigo and all those type of players. Obviously, you see that in the way that Real Madrid are able to be so dominant And, and rightly so. I think obviously Liverpool also had their chances. I think, you know, obviously you saw that kind of side that Jurgen Klopp has with all... Uh, all attacking and, and pressing very highly. But I, I think overall, when you look at these types of games and these types of finals, it's just you, you can't count Real Madrid out. You, you can't. And, you know, Nima, just moving quickly, I guess, now onto this whole side as a whole, because it's still obviously a side that won La Liga, obviously coming into the Champions League. They have the proven track record at the moment. But having said that, this is going to be also a team that is not going to have killing Mbappe. And I think that was something that was kind of the storyline you would say for the last week before this Champions League final. They missed out on him. Obviously, you still have some of these players that are not getting older. They're great overall, like a Luka Modric and a Benzema. But, you know, I think now is still the time for them to really go into the future and look at it. I mean, do you feel that looking at this Real Madrid side, it's sustainable what they've done? Or looking into the summer that, yeah, they need to definitely... Renovate it and, and go younger. I would say for the next season. Well, there's no doubt that um,
2: the, I mean, even Real Madrid have been pretty like they've been pretty open about it. I mean, given the players they want to sign and the and the, and and, and the, the the types of players and names that they've been linked with, it's quite obvious that they feel that a changing of the guards is on the cards. Um, that you know the the Modric era. Uh, the benzema era is is coming to an end and and so they will have to look to the future i think this was the last time we saw this group of players uh, win the champions league um uh, i mean it it's it's remarkable that they've won 5 uh, i think that puts them together with Paolo Maldini, who won five with AC Milan, if I'm not mistaken, even though one of those was called the European Cup, or a couple of those was the European Cup. But still, it's five trophies in this tournament, uh, even though has it under, undergone several changes. It's it's a remarkable feature. It's an absolutely remarkable feature. Um, but I do think changing of the cards, changing of the guards, is uh, going to happen. Um, I think Real Madrid will now sit down and and, and look and say, OK, well you know how do we do this do we go for the shock therapy and and you know kind of phase out um who do we phase out and and well modric is going to stay i think i saw something about a contract extension until 2023 um we'll see with with benzema what happens there but it's quite clear i mean they're not getting any younger i think this has been individually speaking this season was carrying benzema's absolute best at professional level and i'd be Surprised, if not annoyed, if he doesn't win the Ballon d'Or because he absolutely deserves it. He's been absolutely he's been he's been the best player in the world. I think, um, especially no doubt in the Champions League. So um, it's uh, the, the, I think they they will have to look at the future, but wh- how and when? Well, obviously the Mbappe deal. I mean, there's so much to say about that because if I'm not mistaken, it's a three-year deal. It's not a five-year deal. It's a three-year deal, and that to me suggests that he wants that they want really wanted him to stay for at least one more season. I don't believe that Kylian Mbappe will spend the rest of his career in at PSG playing in League 1. I just do not see that happening. I think a move to Real Madrid um will happen sooner or later. I think we will see him in the Premier League maybe even after that or something or 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 something like that. I think this is a this is a guy with with clear you know he's got a clear path ahead of him that he wants to win everywhere, often and a lot, and 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 as much as possible. And in order to do that, Real Madrid is the place to go. And he's still not won the Champions League. And 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 Real Madrid is, with all due respect to all other clubs, there's there is only one club that can claim that they have Champions League DNA, and that is Real Madrid. When you have won the tournament more times than. The second, if I'm not mistaken, the second two together, uh, Milan and Liverpool. I mean, that that that's that 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 just tells you the dominance of, of Real Madrid in this tournament. So I I think that Real Madrid are surprised and happy. I don't think they expected to win the Champions League this season, but you know, they it is a bit surprising and they're very happy that they have. Um, But they are building for the future. I mean, this is how Florentino Perez works. He builds cycles with Galacticos. He did it. He's done it twice before, at least twice before. And he's going to do it once again. Um, Now, obviously, signing Kylian Mbappe on a free transfer would have been an absolutely fantastic thing for them to do. Um, But but that didn't materialize. Does that mean I? I don't think that he will go there someday. No, I do think he will go there, go there someday. When that happens, remains to be seen. But yes, I do think uh, that Real Madrid will start uh, building for the future. They already kind of have. With uh, you know Vinicius and Militao and all these guys and Ala, you know, obviously Alaba is not no teenager but he was he came into this side a, a few years earlier, so no I, I do think that they will start rebuilding properly this summer. I, I I for one think that AC Milan if I were them I wouldn't be nervous but I'd be cautious because they have a lot of money to spend. Rafael Leao has 150, 160 million euro minimum release fee clause so it would not surprise me if they use that money to go after him and just pay the redemption fee clause or the minimum the release fee clause and then just take him over to to Real Madrid and I don't see Rafael Leal turning him down and move to the champions of Europe.
1: Nima to confirm your uh, statistic Real Madrid 14 titles the next two teams uh, Milan and then there's a tie so you can pick either Bayern Munich or Liverpool um, but Milan and the second team 13 titles so you are absolutely correct yeah. that they do have more uh let's let's focus back on to the man of the match in Thibaut Courtois obviously uh nine saves in this matchup to to win the title um you know and across the way to Alisson which uh Alisson did not even make a save in this match there was one shot on goal and it went in um your thoughts on uh you know, Courtois' performance, um, I think he absolutely deserved to be man of the match. I didn't think there was anybody that should have uh, won it ahead of him. Uh, I thought Vinicius played very, very well, um, caused all sorts of problems on that uh, on the left side, which we expected uh, that to happen because we didn't think Trent, Trent Alexander-Arnold would be capable of just man-defending him. Um, I was surprised Luis Diaz caused so many problems for Danny Carvajal on the on Liverpool's left side. But ultimately, I, I think this was Courtois' uh, man-of-the-match performance. I think that was justified uh, in giving it to him. What were your thoughts on Courtois overall? Uh, and then, Roberto, I'd like you to jump in and give me your thoughts as well.
2: I think Courtois showed that, you know, I think his post-match comments said it all, didn't it? Um, he was It was a, it was a very clear, um, verbal little dig at the entire British press and the premier league and people who've been mocking him and, and, and he feels that he hasn't gotten the respect that he deserves. And he was the best, I mean, not just in this game, but in the tournament overall, uh, he pulled out, I mean, interplayed them twice and he saves real Madrid, um, a couple of times in those ties at the group stage, the stage, then obviously against PSG. I mean, just going through the tournament, he's been, I think he's been the best goalkeeper by far, um, he's not made any howlers that you can remember, and he's he's actually made quite a few fantastic saves. So I think this was a little bit um, for him. This was a moment of uh, you know getting even and, and 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 silencing his doubters and critics, um, and and he because he was their best player. Um, but to but to build on that point about one shot on target, I I have to say uh, I'm absolutely in love with the fact that they want it this way. I'm I'm tired after 20 years of listening to how the tiki taka, joga bonito is the is this you know listening to this almost a cult of these people saying that this is the only way to play football and this is the real football and if you are against this you hate football and and they sound like you know cultists almost. I actually kind of like the fact that this is that this kind of football won because there is no one there's no truth to how you can play football Uh, you know beauty lay in the eye of the beholder and at the end of the day what matters is to win trophies now of course you can have preferences to reach that to reach those titles but the very this very notion that we've been completely snowed under uh, during the entire Messi and Barcelona era is that the only way to play is to play the way they play. And if you don't play that way, you're essentially almost cheating, which is pathetic and sad uh, and ridiculous. And and that's just simply not true. And and therefore, the very fact that Carlo Ancelotti comes there and, and almost allegries himself to a Champions League title is particularly delicious to me.
0: Absolutely. And, and looking into this whole game, I would say, uh, Joe, is that I, I think it is pretty much a, a demonstration of how Courtois, you know, I think has maybe been a bit disrespected throughout his career because you look at all the clubs that he played for, played for Atleti, won La Liga there, won league titles in at Chelsea, and now has done it at Real Madrid and now won the Champions League. So it's it's rightly deserved that he's had that kind of respect for him. He's still a, technically a young goalkeeper. He's only 30 years old, so he's definitely still in the prime of his career, can definitely get better, and, and obviously is considered one of the best goalkeepers, if not the best, at the moment. So, no, I agree. I mean, Joe, I mean... <laughs> I think it is really the case of just putting Courtois on that pedestal and giving him the respect that he's needed.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, up until this point, up until yesterday, when you come to this competition with Real Madrid, he was kind of living in Keylor Navas's shadow, right? I mean, Navas had won the competition, if I remember correctly, three times at Real Madrid. And, you know, to, to be able to to step out of that shadow and and do his thing, I think, was uh, was. A, a, certainly a massive reward for him for his career, and uh, and for Real Madrid as well. And 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 he was man of the match. Um, he, he had command of his box. He did all. He made all the right moves. Um, anticipated every shot. Nine saves. I mean, it was it was fantastic. Um, some breaking news here while we're recording this: Sadio Mane has decided to leave Liverpool. Um, you know, obviously going into this competition. Uh, but uh, it looks like Bayern Munich is the possible landing spot, but they have not uh, decided to um. You know, to indicate where he's going yet. So that's a quick little piece of breaking news that I saw here. Um, one of the things we want to talk about uh, was there was uh, I guess we'll call it fan violence. I don't know that that's the appropriate term for it, but uh, there were Liverpool fans that had difficulty getting into uh, the stadium for the match yesterday and uh, caused a crush at the at the turnstile gates Um tear gas was used you know there, there were certainly some some issues with that uh and i did see some of the videos i saw fans climbing the fences and running into the stadium um roberto i want to get your reaction to it first i mean was this a was this a failure on UEFA's part was it a failure on the french police part where, where, where did things go wrong here
0: yeah i mean i, I think when you look at it completely it, you look at how and, and you know obviously you can jump in as well i think it's just a case of how Unfortunately, UEFA have been unable to really organize these things properly. We saw that even in the Euro final, what happened at Wembley, how there was that issue of fans trying to get in, and now we're seeing this again in the Champions League. I mean, it shouldn't be this case. I mean, I don't know what kind of like you know rules are indeed being made by French police and, and those that <laughs> organize the final, but no, there's got to be a better way, especially here in 2022, where... You're you have this kind of issues of fans trying to get in and then having fake tickets and people inter- and then the police intervening to push people back. I mean, Nima, this is just it's been a, you know, excuse my language, a complete shit show, I would say.
2: Well, that's the only thing we know one hundred percent that there was a failure. Um, obviously, this is a UEFA organization, but or if this is a UEFA event, but you know the organizers are not uh, on the ground, are the French FA, if I'm not mistaken, as being hosting this Champions League final, and and obviously people and and, and Saint Denis, uh, Stade de France, where 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 this where this was head held. Look, there has to be a proper investigation, just like what we saw, what happened afterwards in Wembley during the Euros, where you know where we understand was there not enough policemen there did the well, did the police who were there not handle the situation enough i mean what was the fact that there was the you know the perimeter outside the stadium to, to access without tickets were you know what was that too little was it too you know all of these things have to be investigated so i don't like, want to say too much about it more than that this was not this was these were not good scenes to see um it, these were not this is not how this should not happen in you know with with the experience that we have today of organizing events with large crowds this is not this is something that shouldn't happen Um, Now, who's to blame and what and who did what? I want to wait a little bit um, to see if there is what the investigations say. and, And but but the thing is, I want there to be an investigation. I don't want people to I don't want UEFA or the local organizers to sweep this under the rug. There has to be an investigation because in order for this, because if you don't have an investigation next time, people can actually die. And that would be an absolute tragedy. So in order to prevent that, you have to have a completely open and transparent investigation to detail where it went wrong, how it went wrong, why it went wrong, and address that accordingly.
1: Agreed, Nima. That they definitely need to dig up those answers do not sweep this incident under the rug and no and make sure
2: that we don't want another hazel we don't want another hillsborough we don't want anything like that and we've seen now for the for, for the past you know the two the two latest UEFA men's final events with pretty much similar without being identical but similar things happening which put people's you know, safety um, under question. I mean, both those people working there, but also people visiting, the fans coming in there. And you know, was it you know was it a case of what we saw at Wembley, where they just bum rushed? Uh, the the stands and the poor people who were working there just could not stop them and the police were nowhere to be found Mm. or is it something else or is it a combination of all of the above i mean we don't know that but the but the most important thing is that there must be an investigation it has to be transparent and the lessons have to be learned from
1: that agreed agreed let's take it back to football um because obviously i want to i want to discuss carlo Ancelotti and and his place Mm. in history we ran a poll yesterday on our twitter feed uh if carlo ancelotti is the greatest manager ever in club football uh at the moment uh 57 almost 58 percent 57.9 percent say yes 42 percent say no um the name that comes up most often in this discussion has been sir alex ferguson not even um uh, jose mourinho who actually is the only player only coach to win all three european trophies now i guess now that we have three of them um he is the first coach and the only coach to do it uh but carlo ancelotti has won this competition i believe six times carlo ancelotti is the only manager to have won league titles in all five of the top five major leagues in in uh, european football um the, the the winning percentage between the two i started to do a little bit of digging is very very similar uh Overall winning percentage for Sir Alex Ferguson was 58.1%, and for uh, Carlo Ancelotti, 58.3%. However, Sir Alex did that over 2,100, almost 2,200 matches, where Carlos only managed just over 1,200 matches. So there is a, a much bigger um, you, know, uh, you know, book of business there for Sir Alex Ferguson. Uh, Roberto, I'm going to go to you first. I, I don't know that I um, am prepared to say that Carlo Ancelotti is the the greatest manager, greatest club manager of all time. Um, I don't know that I'm prepared to say that Sir Alex is that person anymore, um, given the ability for Ancelotti to be successful pretty much everywhere he's gone, um, and his track record proves it. Where with Sir Alex, and again, I'm not trying to dump on his career because it's it's a it's a fantastic career, and it is something that um, we're talking about the two greatest managers. I don't think I don't think there's debate much there, um, but. Sir Alex did most of his dirty work at Manchester United um, at a time where Manchester United were really the Kings of Europe. Um, So, uh, you know, it's tough to say there, there, there are arguments for both. So Roberto, I'd like you to jump in and give me your thoughts on if Carlo Ancelotti is the greatest club football manager of all time.
0: Oh man. I mean, it's, it's really tough to say. You can make an argument for both these guys. I mean, look, I think obviously for someone like Ancelotti, who in a way, I think I'm very happy for him to, have been able to do that because I think so many people had written him off. Same thing with Mourinho, I would say. When he went to – well when, when Ancelotti went to Everton and when um, Mourinho went to Tottenham, they didn't really had much success there. And now both of them leave. One goes to Real Madrid, one goes to Roma, wins the, the, the UEFA title that they respectively won, like the Conference League and now the Champions League. And so I'm happy for both of them. But I think this is for in Ancelotti's case, I mean, he's a winner. I think you can say that, obviously, even when he was a player, when he was at Milan, uh, uh, winning that under Saki, learned that kind of lessons for them to go and win titles at Juventus, at Milan, Chelsea, PSG, Real Madrid. Now Bayern won something there as well. I mean, he, he's done it everywhere. And and it's you need to give that kind of respect needed. I mean, when you're the first manager to have won five league titles uh, across the five leagues, I mean, it's, it's respected for... Champions Leagues twice with Milan, twice with Real Madrid. I mean, he's a winner. I mean, that's... Anyway, there's nothing more you could say about that, but I don't know. It's... Do you really put him as the greatest club manager ever? It's it's difficult. He's up there, but the greatest? It's tough to say.
2: I don't know. I, I think these thing goes in cycles. Um, I generally look at um, these things as uh, going in cycles because... I mean, look, uh, Giov- Giovanni Trapattoni won everything with Juventus in the 80s. Literally everything at a club level. Um, he won the Cup Winners' Cup, the European Cup, the UEFA Cup. He won everything in Italy. He won all the inter- Intercontinental Cups. And then he went and did it with you, with Inter as well, when he won the UEFA Cup and, and, and the Serie A in record-breaking fashion. That was that era. Before that, you had Ernst Happel. You know, you have Helenio Herrera and look you can you can divide these things into into different eras um so so for me it's it's difficult to say who the greatest manager at club level is um but there's no doubt that one thing that Carlo Ancelotti has been able to do which is which I think is really impressive and which I kind of think is is fair is that i've always felt that he was a little bit looked down upon and never given the respect that he deserves now having won four champions leagues and becoming the first manager to win a league title in all of the top five leagues something no one else has done before that kind of puts an end to that debate of him being underrated because he can't be he's he's breaking records something he's not really done before in this way um but uh, if he's the old, I mean that to me, who the greatest of all time is. I mean that 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 is just you know that 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 depends on the parameters you use to to make that decision. I think, for example, like you said, Sir Alex Ferguson, what he did. I mean the the train you know the that period of time when he takes over uh, Manchester United and 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 the you know going into the Premier League era and and how he builds this dominant force in England. But fails to make that kind of translate to continent to, to Europe, at least not given the dominance they had. A little bit like Juventus. The way that they they're dominant at home, but they're never they've they've struggled in, in in continental competitions. I mean that that's also something to take into consideration. I mean that that is it, it, at the end of the day, it kind of comes down to one of those you know it's like a, a beauty laying the eye of the beholder. Who do you think is the best one? Mm-hmm. I think when I look back over the eras of football, I think in this modern football era between you know there's no doubt that he he's probably the most successful if you look at major trophies won. Uh even more than Pep, even more than Klopp, even more than Mourinho. Mm-hmm. Um but what Mourinho has done is that, you know, it's you know, he's you know he's not as old as Ancelotti and he's still got a few years and so is Pep and Klopp. So they can still have, they've still got time to reach Ancelotti's level. But I do think that this is we're nearing the end of the Ancelotti era uh, in in terms of his greatness because I don't I don't think he will take on another big club after this Real Madrid job. He's sixty two years old. I think at some point, I, if he takes on another job, it would it, I would like that to be the Italy job or or some international, um, some some national team. Team, team, whether it's Italy, I hope you know. I would like it to be Italy, um, but I, I, I doubt it. Given that Mancini will probably stay on for another four years, which means it will be sixty-six. I mean, that's still not too old, and that's pretty much the age that national team managers have historically. Um, I, I think he's up there, but who is the best and whatnot? I don't know. I mean, you—that's you, that's for debates to be had. But there's no doubt that he's one of one of the best. Absolutely,
1: I, I do like. This debate, though, Um, you know, we we come on here all the time and and everyone wants to debate Messi versus Ronaldo. Uh, You know, who's the greatest player of all time? Is it Maradona? Is it Pele? And the one the difficult part of that having that type of argument, it's the performance on the pitch. Um You know, especially in the era where where Pele and and Maradona were basically you know hacked down by hatchet men over and over again, and the referee put his whistle in his pocket and then we see Messi the wind blows the wrong way, and all of a sudden it's penalty you know we, we've we've seen it's difficult to compare legends over the span because the game itself has changed whether it be the way it 's officiated the way it 's played it 's changed I feel like this type of debate is is a much easier debate to have or at least a, a much more level playing field you know forgive the pun uh, because of you know its managers ability to adapt and recreate themselves to to suit whatever uh, whatever's come at them in in the modern game and and, and also there's a longevity uh, factor here I mean you look at uh, you know uh, Sir Alex Ferguson coached uh, started coaching United in uh, November of 86. And continued until 2013. I mean, there's there are obviously no players that have ever gone that long, um, in, uh, in in you know to give you that body of work. Um, I also agree with you, Nima, that uh, you know Klopp, Pep, you know uh, you know take a few of them, like like Nagelsmann, who's coming up uh, at Bayern Munich. Uh, you know even even your uh, people in Zagi I'm sorry, Simone and Zagi at Inter. I mean, these are still young managers, still writing their business or writing their history. Um, And I think it's something that is, you know, may become a discussion 10, 15 years from now as well, where we'll compare one of those to Sir Alex or to Carlo Ancelotti. So I I, I do enjoy this. uh, this I mean,
2: someone someone like. Antonio Conte oh, I mean yeah. would definitely be there I mean look I mean what he has done a lot of people think that okay oh you won three titles in a row with Juve but that's just I mean you have to remember where Juve were when he took them over you know he started a historic cycle uh of 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 nine it, scudetto wins which he then ended with Inter you know his, his his what he did at Chelsea, what he did with the Italian national team, what he potentially could end up doing with Tottenham. I mean that that's also insane. I mean, can he win everything? Can he win the Premier League with with Tottenham in an era where Liverpool can't beat? can't even get past Man City winning 90, 90 plus points a couple of three, two, three times. I mean that, you know, these there's, there's so much nuance um I think in this in this area. Um, and and like you said, there are other coaches coming up. You know, Klopp, well, you know, like as I said, Guardiola and Klopp are you know, they they've got a few years left in them. So no, well, I mean, it's it's an interesting debate to be had, but it's quite clear that this this particular era in football is, is is a really interesting one, and and specifically given what happened at Napoli for Ancelotti, and then obviously kind of leaving with his tail between his legs, going to to Everton, and then from Everton, you know, a team that was battling relegation. I mean, you know, coached by Frank Lampard, and with all due respect to Frank Lampard, it's a different pedigree we're talking about in this discussion. So. You know, so then he goes to Real Madrid and of course, of course Mourinho after, you know, the, the debacle at, at Manchester United and and Spurs and now he's going to Roma where it's a completely different Mourinho. He's reinventing himself and he's looking like the old Mourinho in terms of the relationships he's building with the players in the squad and, and and how much the players love him and, and already winning a trophy uh, Albeit, you know, people want to say, oh, it doesn't matter. It's the third most important. It doesn't matter. It's a trophy. It's a silver. It's a UEFA trophy. So, you know, how far can he do? Can he once again, I mean, because there's no doubt in my mind that Mourinho's already, if knowing him, he's already looking at that Real Madrid job. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's no doubt in my mind that he is. I mean, the, the 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 comment he made the other day of, I'll always love Roma, I'm here right now, I'm not going anywhere, But I, and I'll always love Roma, but at some point I want to do something else, I want to go somewhere else. I mean, these guys are... No different than the athletes they coach. They are winners. They want to perform at the highest level, and there's no doubt in my mind that Mourinho, having won this now, looks at it and goes, "Okay, do stay at Roma for another two years, try to put a couple of more trophies under the belt, try to you know get Roma back into the Champions League, and do something there, and then from there on take that next step once again to the elite clubs in Europe." Will he be able to do that? Of course, nobody knows. Uh, you know that remains to be seen. But I, I think right now it's what what i can say with certainty is that ancelotti the 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 this this notion of him being underrated is now fully and deservedly so completely dead because he's not underrated you don't win four champions league titles as a coach if you're underrated you don't become the first coach in history to win a, a league title in in those five big leagues
1: i agree let's let's speculate a little further because i've i've also said that ancelotti you know his His career is almost uh, almost over, given his age and and everything. Um, My speculation the entire time is that if he does take another job, it's not going to be in Europe. Um, My understanding is when he had his knee replaced a few years ago, he went to Vancouver to have it done. Really enjoyed his time. I think even made comments that that would be a place where he would retire because he loved the area so much. My speculation is he goes to coach up in the Pacific Northwest of MLS. So we're talking Seattle, we're talking Portland, we're talking Vancouver. I could see, you know, Ancelotti taking one more job for a couple of years, doing something like that as kind of his retirement job, um, you know, or stepping into retirement just altogether, you know, on the heels of, of the greatest, tri- one of the greatest triumphs of his, of his career. Um, Neema, what what's your speculation? What do you think uh, Ancelotti does end up next?
2: I think Ancelotti will stay on at least for another year at Real Madrid, Um, but I, I think that'll be his last year in charge of Real Madrid because I don't think Real Madrid will win the Champions League next season. Um, I think they'll win all these European super cups and you know this these uh, FIFA World Club Club Cups and you know Spanish super cups and, and all that stuff. Um, that doesn't really matter. These are major kind of you know it's, it's, they're not major trophies. But after having done that, I mean, I think it. It depends. I don't think Real Madrid will win the Champions League next season, and I don't. You know, they they could win the league absolutely, but I think they'll face much stiffer competition from Barcelona and Atletico Madrid. Um, and I think that that is when it will that is how it will end with with uh, with Real Madrid. I think that Real Madrid would want would want to to kind of have a coach that is a bit more in line with with their with their new new kind of profile. Um, Who that is, God only knows. But I do think this is his last year or years at Real Madrid and then after that i mean it depends where does he go does he go to the like you said to the us or you know is is does you know it does does something open in the premier league again i mean does uh, does someone you know at arsenal but you know maybe man united if ten hag fails there do they bring carletto back i mean we know that Car- Car- carlo ancelotti's greatest strength is to to kind of get the best out of what he's got uh, would that be something that he'd be interested in I think so. Um, I I, I still think that until Roberto Mancini retires, meaning in another three, four years from the Italian national team, and I don't mean retire, I mean after his contract expires with the Italian national team in another four years after the next World Cup, that means Ancelotti will will be 66. And I think that job, the Italian national team, is one that he could see, I can see him taking over depending on how it goes. I think if Italy were to win the world Cup or the european championships i don 't think he 's interested in that job because that would be a very difficult feat to to repeat um, but if they don 't then there're the challenges there but yeah i mean it wouldn't it wouldn 't surprise me if he kind of did what Lippi did after winning the you know after this his second tenure in charge of Italy where he kind of become became you know he took over a few national teams here and there and then he became this kind of senator of football uh, similar to almost like del bosque after after his tenure with spain I, I think that is something that will that will happen to ancelotti but i do think he will coach international football uh, uh national team level i mean uh, whether it's italy or whoever uh, i do think that that could happen i think that's the next step
1: roberto what's your speculation
0: yeah, yeah, I think so too. I, I think he I think I really do wanna see him at a national team job and, and hopefully he can do that with Italy. But again, I think it's all gonna be dependent on Mancini and what he's gonna do there. And so but for Angelotti's case, I mean even if it comes to the worst circumstances, even if he were to retire today, even if he were to say that was my last game as as a as a club manager, I wouldn't have any issues on the legacy that he would have. I think obviously he still has a bit more to prove and he can do that, but Nevertheless, I think if he were to retire today or something, I think he goes into the the Hall of Fame of the greatest managers of all time. And, oh, uh, there's no
2: doubt about that.
1: And and just to add a little bit of uh, a, a little bit of a twist to my speculation um, about Angelotti possibly moving to the Pacific Northwest, you're looking at a uh, a potential Club World Cup final between Brian Schmetzer at Seattle Sounders now and Carlo Ancelotti at Real Madrid and then Ancelotti steps in and takes Smesser's role I mean I, that would be that would, <laughs> that would be quite ironic that would that's that's the dr- the drama and the romanticism of football right I guess that that would be the way to look at that one for sure so Nima always great to have you on board thanks for coming on again and we always look forward to chit-chatting with you uh especially on big moments like uh like things like the Champions League like this
2: It's always a pleasure to be with you guys. I love what you guys do, and keep up the good work.
1: Gotcha. And Mr. Roberto Rojas, uh, we've got nothing else to chat about, so I'll hit the closing music. Let's do it. All right, here we go. So, for episode 358 of Low Limit Football, special thanks again to Nima Tavale from Semper Inter and the Italian Football Podcast for joining us. Next week, we'll start to crack open the egg known as the summer transfer window and all the crazy, crazy moves that will be happening this summer leading up to the 2022 World Cup. So, for episode 358 of Low Limit Football, I'm Joe Ucello. I'm Rittera Thanks for listening, everyone, and good night.